Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Cow Corner. We're here today to review the first test between Sri Lanka and England, which finished a couple of days ago. And we'll look ahead to that second test, which starts on Friday. Um, I'm joined by Zach. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I kind of I think I did predict a Sri Lanka win in this test. So I was kind of, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. But always it's always nice to predict England to lose and England win rather than the other way around, which I think is a hell of a lot more regular. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Is that why you do it? Just so then you kind of cover you're happy either way. A lot of people do that with their own football teams on betting, I know. Uh, and Glenn over in Wyoming, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to chatting about what became a competitive game towards the end. Um, so there's quite a few talking points for us. Absolutely, yeah. And I'll just give you a quick summary of that first test. Uh, England winning it in the end by seven wickets uh, at the end, or well, the start of day five, very early. Uh, first innings, a, a quite fantastic collapse from uh, Sri Lanka led them to 135 all out, which I think absolutely nobody predicted. Um, quite a stunning um, innings that was, which we'll come on to talk about. England then replied with uh, a quite masterful, but with a little collapse in there, 421, uh, led by Joe Root's fourth double century, 228 he made. Um, some great support from Dan Lawrence, making his debut at number five with 73. And Johnny Bairstow on his return with a useful 47 at number three. Um, so that gave England a pretty significant lead. Sri Lanka did fight back, luckily, for the test match and for the spectacle of the cricket. Um, they made a really, again, an impressive 359. Uh, Lahiru Tiramani with a ton, his first for seven years. Um, and Angelo Matthews, um, the elder statesman of that team, with a, a valiant 71 off, off 219 balls, speaking of, of lower strike rates. Um, England, after a little wobble, they found themselves 14 for three. Uh, eventually got the 76 runs they needed. Or was it 74? I don't know. 74, 76. Uh, with Johnny Bairstow finishing 35, not out. Dan Lawrence finishing 21, not out. A comical run out of Joe Root. You know, had us all a little bit, a little bit wobbly. Um, but England got there in the end. And, you know, a seven-wicket win in Sri Lanka. Anyone in Sri Lanka in the subcontinent is huge for an England side. And we'll come on to the, you know, what this means in a greater context later in the podcast. But I think we have to start with that first innings. Sri Lanka, 135 all out. I mean, no one saw this coming. Zach, what, what did you make of it? And we can come on to Don Bess's five for 30, which was uh, amusing in, in many, many ways. I mean, it was comical, to say the least. It was it was hilariously bad. They they didn't start well. Broad took three for and looked good. But, you know, you don't. And, and that was kind of they were bonus wickets. Any wickets, pace bowlers took were bonus wickets. Then Bess. With his Pfeiffer, there was the one to get Kusal Pereira. He tried to reverse sweep and just gloved it up to root at slip. There was Dick Weller, a long hop, just spooned up to uh, spooned up to Sibley, um, 
uh, backward point that no one seemed to celebrate because they were like, how the hell has he got a wicket from that ball? There was, I think it was Hasaranga going for a massive reverse sweep and just missing. Like, I mean, he was miles away from it. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just, it was comical. Then there was the, there was a run out from Leach and best. I think one interesting thing is that best took five wickets to 30 and a five for, you know, a five is a five for he, both both the spinners have, been, have come out and they have said they know that they weren't at their best, but you know, and Best made the very good point that he's bowled a lot better than that and taken a lot less wickets than that because that's the way it goes, isn't it? Sometimes, and I think he took five wickets in ten overs. And if you look at kind of some of the best bowlers, bowlers strike rates that are kind of the amount of balls they take to get a wicket, the best are usually between it's between nine overs and ten overs. So 54 and 60 is kind of what they aim for. And he took five wickets in 10 overs which kind of does show what well, and the, the expected wickets which is a great quick fizz thing his he, he should have finished with 0.55 expected wickets but took a fifer <laughs> which i think if that if nothing else i d- shows you without having watched any of it how badly the shiranka batsman does that statistic shows you yeah i really like x, x wickets um it, it really contextualizes how good or bad a knock was or how a bowling spell was and you can kind of tell how bad that bowling spell was and that it shouldn't have yielded as many wickets as it did but um let, let's start with the england bowlers because joe root's innings aside i think this was what obviously won us the match um and we'll come on to joe root's fantastic innings we can't deny that but um and we're always going to talk about this with future games in mind with that india tour in mind i don't want to disrespect sri lanka that first innings might have given me a little bit more ammo, but um, you know we are looking ahead to that India tour. So let's start with with um, Leach and Bess. Uh, took a five for each in, in the, the first and second innings, respectively. Um, you know both didn't bowl that well at points. Both struggled to find their length at times. But I think we have to contextualise all of this with Jack Leach's illness for sort of 18 months, his lack of playing, and Don Bess as well. He didn't get to bowl that much um, in the English summer. So Glenn, how good was this for the two England spinners with that in mind? You know, we, we can talk about how good and bad the bowling was, but, you know, they was, they, to me, it felt like they were starting to find their rhythm toward the end of the match. And as they keep playing and keep playing, this should get better and better for them. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, Zach did a beautiful job of um, summing up that utterly miserable um, first innings for Sri Lanka, which I, I sat through the entire thing. And as I was just staring at the screen, I was like, I was just hoping that someone would would, would put the partnership together. Um, yeah, and I, on that innings, I thought um, Bess especially bowled really badly, like did not bowl well, um, which the stats do back up. Obviously, he got his five fur. Um, Dan, I think you're spot on to say that they both, um, you know, got into some rhythm um, towards the end of that second innings. Because, there was always there was a loose ball in 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 every over for them. Um, and Aggers, Jonathan Aggie makes a great point in his column for BBC. He says that they need to bowl more maidens. The between them they only bowled 50 maidens in 79 overs. I mean that's not really good enough, and that doesn't create any pressure. And you could see that in the second Sri Lankan innings when they did score a bit more freer and they could rotate the strike because there wasn't just yeah, there wasn't that good line and length. And Bess especially, um, really, he would one would be a full toss, 
then it'll be a long hop. And that was frustrating us um, throughout the game when, you know, we were obviously staying in touch with each other. Leach, I think, did look the slightly more consistent of the two. Um, very unlucky to only get one wicket. I think it was in that first innings. He, he did deserve more. Um, and he bowled quite nicely in spells then. Um, very, very glad that he um, got a fifer in that in that second Shankar innings. So obviously that means bottom bottom line, the spinners got the vast majority of the wickets, which we expect in Sri Lanka. Did they do it convincingly? Do I think they're going to do well in India? I can't wait for the second test because I think that there are question marks over both these bowlers. But I think that really goes down to fitness and game time. Um, obviously, we've talked at length about how Leach has had uh, fitness issues, hasn't played cricket for a long time. Bess has been in and, in and out of sides for the last year as well. So all things considered, you can't argue with a five for each. I'm incredibly glad for both of them. And I'm especially glad, actually, that Bess picked up wickets in that second innings because we all kind of knew that first five was very odd, was a one in a hundred kind of thing. He did bowl better. So, yeah, question marks for me overall. They won. They did win the game for England. So that's that is the bottom line, I think. Well said. Sort of a you know a B plus. You know, well done. But we we need a bit more, don't we? I think we're all in agreement on that. We're just you're just missing something, and that that is maiden spot on. Glenn, as a great stat to point out that that they weren't doing that, and it was it was the paceman doing that. Interestingly enough, and Zach, I thought you wanted. You know, speak of Stuart Broad, he took three wickets in the first innings, which I think has trebled the amount of wickets he's ever taken in Sri Lanka, um, a three for 20. And then I'll read you a stat line from the second innings, 17 overs, 11 maidens, none for 14, an economy of 0.8. Um, it was just metronomic, wasn't it? And and the role he played in that second innings, where Sri Lanka were getting runs, putting partnerships together, was to not let them get away and let that England um, or let their lead increase to where England might have wobbled a bit more so you know a word for Stuart Broad and the role for the pacemen for the rest of this series yeah I think I I can't remember who who said it in their interview after I think it was Johnny Bairstow who kind of who who was very quick to to talk about how everyone's role is so Broad had spoken before the game before the game about the different role and how he'd seen you know obviously Best take a kind of backseat role in the summer as you'd expect in England with Broad and Anderson you know doing their thing and that Broad knew that his role was different here and that he had to, you know, put it on a good length, keep it, keep it kind of, you know, steady, keep, keep one batsman up an end. And he did it beautifully. He really stuck to what he'd said, which, which he's done, you know, he's done in the past with his famous interview after, during the first test of the <laughs> last summer. But, and then Wood as well, Bairstow made the point that Wood didn't, I didn't take many wickets. I don't even think he took one wicket in this, in this thing, but his, his, role and the kind of short sharp spells he was bowling he was bowling really quickly few bouncers he was really ruffling them up and Bairstow really pinned that the the spinners took the wickets because well not just because of this but it was definitely a contributing factor that because Wood was ruffling them up at the other end they weren't comfortable they thought they had to get off strike to the spinner so yeah it kind of shows the the role and I think Wood it plays that role really well and will hopefully play that role really well for the next you know, five test matches in the subcontinent. It was great to see him get 27 overs under his belt as well. And I think, you know, he didn't get much cricket over the summer. And, you know, his fitness is always a worry. He seems a bit more robust now with that new run up. And they've kind of looked after him very well. And he was very useful. And no wickets hurts a little bit. But this is, again, positive signs for England. Um, finally, Sam Curran, golden arm, I guess. I mean, he only bowled four in the uh, four overs in the first innings. Took two for 37 in the second innings. One was a rank one 
uh, caught by Jack Leach, I think, at, at third, deep third man. Um, again, one of those ones they didn't really celebrate for. And then the other one, I think he got Tiramani at inside edge. Um, and that was good to dislodge him. He, I don't know where I sit with him in these conditions. Uh, Glenn, I'll come to you. He has got the golden arm tendency. He'll make something happen. You know, that, that, that cliche. Um, and again, left arm over just seems like nice to have as part of the attack. Um, it wasn't a great test match for him and he got a golden duck as well. But it wasn't terrible either, was it? It was, again, a, a bit B-plusy, as this whole bowling attack seemed to be, bar probably broad. Yeah, really good points there, um, Dan. It's interesting to note that he actually had the best economy for bowlers in that disastrous first innings for Sri Lanka. So he kept things tight, didn't bowl much, you rightly pointed out. I think, yeah, you're spot on to say that he gets wickets when it matters. I mean, you know, both the openers, and we'll get onto this towards the end of the pod, Pereira and Thiramani, were batting beautifully. Uh, 62 for Pereira, very attacking innings. I'm a big fan of his. Thiramani, 111, again, magnificent innings. And Curran got them both. He dislodged them both, for better or worse. And that inside edge, uh, you're right to point out that that was a very nice wicket. Just moved a little bit. He wasn't expecting it. I think he was expecting it to shape away from him, nick back a little bit, the batsman. Nice take from Butler. Yeah, again, it, it kind of feels like nothing huge to write home about from him. Um I think he, if you discount Lawrence, who, who I don't know if he can actually bowl, um, maybe a talking <laughs> point for a moment. Uh, he did have the he did have the worst economy in that second innings, uh, 3.36. So he wasn't as tight as he was um, in the first innings. Bowling more, he bowled 11, uh, 11 overs. Yeah, I, I like him. I think you're right. He offers something different. He's he's great to have in the fold. Um, would I be picking him above Archer, for example? Uh, absolutely not. But is that the right comparison? The right comparison for that is probably Wood or Archer. So I think he kind of has a niche in this team, and I quite like him. I think I think that if if we were going to compare him with one person, it would be Chris Wokes, who obviously this is the Chris Wokes podcast. And I was looking at their batting averages earlier today, and they actually average very similar amounts because I think with Curran at the moment, the kind of thing is that he isn't he isn't quite he doesn't quite do enough with the ball to be there just as a bowler. And obviously he's got that number seven position. I can't imagine he'll keep he'll stick with it because when Stokes comes back in, we can have Butler at seven. We can have an extra batsman. So it's, it's more likely to be eight. And then still, then you want someone who can, you know, who can bat a bit like Chris Wokes. And they do. So Sam Curran averages 26 with the bat and Wokes averages 27. Their bowling averages, again, are similar. But obviously, Wokes has a much bigger sample size. And I think the difference with it is, is that I don't really I never think of Sam Curran as being able to, you know, do that kind of match changing innings. And he does have two fifties. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't remember them. But whereas obviously Wokes has, you know, that century at Lords that they that gets sung about. And he got that match winning knock against Pakistan in the summer. So I think for Curran, it's pacing the team. His bowling, you know, he does a job. His batting, he needs a statement knock to really say, yeah, I'm a batsman because coaches have always said to him, apparently he will turn into a batsman who can bowl, which I think is something interesting because he's always kind of, I think in England circles, thought of as a bowler who, you know, he can bat a bit, but he's got that, you know, he gets a bit of movement. And like you say, he's left arm over, which as a left arm over bowler myself, we love to see. Union, left left arm over Union. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. One of his 50s was against India when they toured England in 2018. And we were trying to set him up a score and he kind of helped us get somewhere to 200. I can't remember if they got it or not. But yeah, I agree. A, a statement knock for me, him at seven was a too long a tail for England, which might have um, led to their little collapse in their first innings. They lost, you know, five for 50 when 450 plus really should have been what they put on the, on, on the scorecard there. 
so yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating debate with him. We'll have to see where that goes, whether he is a bowler who bats or a batsman who bowls. Yeah, and I want to say that's some lovely analysis at comparing him to to Wokes. I think that that is the the person. I couldn't quite think of it. it on the tip of my tongue, I was like, there's someone who I think is similar. It's absolutely him. Um, and obviously we are the Wokes podcast, so it should have came to me quicker. One one question I've got, I guess, for both of you is, what do you think about Mark Wood? Because I was expecting more. Again, you know, these aren't pitches that he's guaranteed to get a stack of wickets, but I watched, you know, quite a bit of his his bowling, and it, it wasn't by any means bad. It just it lacked something, and I don't know whether it's this in and out of the side. Obviously, he's had a myriad of health issues over the the last couple of years with injuries. But where do you think we stand with Wood? Because as far as I see it, it's an easy swap bench word bring in archer it's pretty crystal clear to me do, do you have any points against that it's something that the the, the sky the sky commentators talked about and i thought they, they actually did a really good job considering they were in uh, different places bumble was at home in manchester and it was brilliant seeing a bit of bumble's room and him talking about uh taking the bins out and having to drop off to do all the things and talking about the name of his postman yeah that was <laughs> lovely but they did talk about how the difference between wood and archer obviously they both have the pace wood potentially more consistent with the 90 plus and a little bit faster, but Archer just gets more movement through the air. Wood kind of doesn't seem to get that much movement. And, but he look, and obviously he does look really good when it's, you know, bouncing and seeming and will be really useful in Australia like he was in South Africa. But in these conditions, it, you know, like I said, he roughed up the batsman and potentially he did help get wickets at the other end, but he isn't, you know, he's not, I don't think he is as good as Archer, but, with these express pacemen, they can't they can't play every test. So you know, there's definitely a place for him in a squad. But is he making is he making my team? I mean, he's making my if he can he's, if he can do back to back test matches, which like we've said about his fitness issues, then he would make my side for the next test match. But would he make my side for the first test in India? I don't think so. Archer comes straight in for me immediately. I think I'm, I'm with Glenn. It's a no-brainer. And I'll come on to whether I'd have Mark Wood in my second, well, the, the second Test eleven. Um, but I, I didn't watch him even bowl. I didn't, I didn't catch his spells on on UK time. I only watched, you know, I get up fairly late. I tried to, I tried to get a buddy, but I didn't. But in my head, Mark Mark Wood of South Africa sticks fondly in my memory right at the front, and he was electric there. So there's yep. definitely still a place for him in this setup, and I think. Zach, you made the, the perfect point that we can't have Archer and Wood playing all these tests back-to-back anyway. Some rotation is needed there. And we played them together in Australia on, on a bouncier pitch. And maybe you, you take out a Curran or a Wokes and you have your four-pronged attack of Broad, Anderson, Wood, Archer. I don't know. But yeah, he he this wasn't a pitch for Wood and he can do it still. I hope anyway. But um, he doesn't get enough cricket, I think, either. England don't like don't like playing him in certain situations um a quick word for dan lawrence's twirling arms before we move on to the batting come on anything for you glenn (laughs) oh i mean okay i was was pretty excited um when he came on i just love seeing a part-timer i think um nothing throws me more than seeing labashane turn his arm for australia but oh it was rough i mean one did pitch and turn It, it certainly wasn't like a car crash of a two over spell it wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen and you know there was there was two good deliveries in it, but my goodness, he is not a spin option at test level. Uh, based on those two overs, it was 
it was rough. There were a couple. I think there was a couple of full tosses in there. There must have been some long hops. I remember I was pretty tired. I'm sure he came on just before I went to bed, and it it was it was rough. Zach, any anything else to add? I just want to confirm. So the worst thing you've ever seen is is Dom Sibley's over versus Pakistan. Yeah, like that, that that's that's the mark. Like it, it wasn't quite that bad, and he might, you know, if he is having to bowl in India, it's not going very well. That's for sure. But, it, it, you know, it's going a hell of a lot worse if Dom Sibley's bowling for us. <laughs> that was raw. That was, wasn't it? That was, that was some of my favourite content of last year, I think, just of, of anything. Um, come on, let's go on to England batting then. It's interesting we start with the bowling. We often love talking about the batting. Um, I know I do, but it was it was pretty assured. I think there's some questions we can answer in a minute and some quite big questions, I think, looking forward. But we have to start with with Joe Root, 228, and he, and he swept Sri Lanka out of Gaul, didn't he? I think he swept some rain clouds away at some point as well when it looked like he was about to hammer down. Um, just a, a masterful innings, an absolute exhibition of how to play spin bowling. Um, I think I forgot how good Joe Root is at playing spin. I, I'd never, I don't associate him with him as clearly as, you know, I don't know, a Bearstow who we can come on to, but a word for, for Joe Root's innings, Zach, I think you've got to start on how many times he, he did sweep the ball in his um, 321 ball knock. Yeah, again, our pod favourites, Crickviz, uh, he played 50 sweeps in this in that innings, which is the highest by any batsman in a single innings since they started recording these things back in 2006, which is just brilliant. Like you said he was he was getting forward brilliantly. He was getting back. Him, his, his partnership with Bairstow was just a all right. If you wanted to show someone who was getting into cricket, just this is how you bat against spin. It was beautiful. And then we did see, you know, I mean, Roots obviously kept going, and Bairstow the one time he he got caught on the crease and didn't go kind of fully forward or back was when he nicked it to, to gully. So it was kind of, it showed you exactly this is how to do it for hours and hours. And then Bairstow, then the first morning, which obviously he'll, he'll definitely be disappointed with himself about, then he, you know, he, he couldn't get back into the rhythm of it and then did get out. But yeah, Root, I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed him phoning up the one England fan who was there. I don't know if you saw the the thing, he phoned him up and was really happy. And he also, he uh, raised his bat to him when he got to 200. <laughs> I loved brilliant. that. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, and also listening to the guy, uh, Randy Caddick, is uh, his <laughs> nickname, his DJ name. In fact, he's yeah. been doing he's been doing a bit of spinning with um, an Australian guy whose uh, nickname is Swerve Hughes, which is which is again, <laughs> what a duo that is. Brilliant, isn't it? I mean, great lads, and I've I've really enjoyed his content so far. He he struggled to get in on the first day, then tried to turn up in a. They, they let him sing Jerusalem and then they kicked him out and then they he got he managed to get something like a media pass. So now he was able to be back on the four and he's back there for the next test. And I really enjoyed how it wasn't because yeah, it was Joe Root who mentioned it in his interview. Joe Root phoned him up. Bairstow mentioned it in his interview. Jack Leach even mentioned it in his interview. It showed how much they have missed the Barmy Army and how even that one fan, it was, you know, I think it did give them a lift. Joe Root had the Barmy Army stick on the back of his bat as well, I think, to you know make them feel like they were there. Uh, remind me why this guy was in Sri Lanka. I've I've I, I've not read the story in depth enough. Um, <laughs> so he flew out to see the tour in March 2020. Am I right? And then what's happened from there? Yeah, I mean I can hop in just because just like Zach, we've been we've been transfixed by this guy. But yeah, he just decided, as all lads on tour, or in this case, lad on tour, decide to do, he just didn't want to go home. So he thought, right, I'm gonna stick around. I think he's been chilling on the beach for goodness knows, was that ten months are we on now? Something along those lines. He's been DJing. Uh, may I also add he's been doing some fantastic volunteer work with stray dogs 
been doing some awesome advocacy for street dogs um, over in Sri Lanka, been doing some fundraising on Twitter. Barmy Army pointed out on Twitter yesterday, I wasn't aware that they, the places they travel and stuff, they usually try and have like a charity aspect to it, which is fantastic. I love that. And I don't know, just, I, I love animals, but just it being stray dogs just really really hit home for me and i think he actually adopted one himself there was a dog just been following him around it's been like a fairy tale i mean you can't really be it's a dream probably for me and zach especially you know djing in Sri Lanka and then hanging out with joe root you know obviously through (laughs) phone and stuff i mean you guys are just jealous aren't you man i I am this this guy's your new idol he's great i just admire it and you know fair play to him and zach's right to point out the amount he's really captured the heart of the barmy army and the england players and us back home so fair play he's really brought something special to the test i think which it needed yeah he's carrying the whole barmy army on his back isn't he i think like <laughs> he captured us all so hold on i just need to get into this i know we should talk about the cricket in a minute but so you flew over what's he been doing for money or job or has he just been doing his volunteering or what's going uh, on He's he's been working from home for no his job way. before. What does, what does he do for a living? I, I don't know. I mean, he likes his photography, but <laughs> I, I don't know what he actually does as a job. He has. A, I don't think he's disclosed that. But I don't know how. I think he maybe doesn't want to because for tax purposes, he definitely shouldn't be working from home in Sri Lanka. But <laughs> fair enough. I mean, yeah. I reckon did now he get, he's probably... Did he get a visa for that when he went over? You know, how's that all work? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I wonder what the fine's going to be like when he leaves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's probably now got a job with the Barmy Army for life, doesn't he, really? Absolute hero, a cult hero. Uh, potentially a new cult hero for England, Dan Lawrence. Risty Dan Lawrence, he he was awesome. Um, 73 in the first innings, a great partnership with Rue, both looking very competent against spin and you know for that for Dan Lawrence to have his first uh test match on a pitch like that in conditions like that and we'll come on to England's second innings um he looks the part and then he's going to give a real headache for the England selectors isn't he when Stoke uh Stokes not Stoke we keep mixing up the city of Stoke with Ben Stokes Just pop the S on the end lads um when when Ben Stokes and Ollie Pope uh, eventually are fit for for selection again so you know a word on him how good he looks and, and the headache for the selectors yeah, so I think the selectors have got two headaches right now. I think number one is what to do with Lawrence because he looked brilliant and he played two very different innings. I just want to point that out because in the first innings, um, Root was next to him for a lot of it. He he had a brilliant swashbuckling 73, very healthy straight rate of 48, you know, run every other ball. Um, he looked great. He looked technically lovely. He played some really good shots. He played spin well, which you need to do in India, especially, which we all know. In the second innings, it's really interesting because he came in when England were three down for 14. So there was actually pressure and there was... A fr- there was a moment, and I, I know Zach tweeted this on our on our Cal Corner account, that when we were three down, there was just, just a glimmer of hope for Sri Lanka in the sense that we were really, the wheels were coming off. And Lawrence got his head down with Johnny Bairstow, who I was also impressed by, and secured the win. Very nice 21 um, off, I think it was 52 balls. And he just looked really secure. It didn't seem like this was, you know, his first test or anything like that. It, in much the way that this was a feeling I had with many of the young Indian players um, coming into the team. He felt very assured um, and he looked like a test player and you can't say that for everyone. One headache I would um, like us to discuss is this opening. What are we going to do with the openers? Cause Crawley and Sibley, um, Crawley got nine and eight opening and Sibley got an even worse four and two. Both, um, they were both uh, taken out by the same spinner on every innings. Um, what do we do about this in India? Who are we bringing in? I like Burns. Um, I think he plays spin pretty well, but 
do we have any do we have any answers i i do have some answers in the form of stats but i don't know if he's going to actually be the answer we we want um because i don't know if we're talking about india specifically i've got everyone's test average against spin everyone that's in the, the category for that top three so johnny Bairstow with the larger sample size averages 46 against spin i think we saw how good he is against spin um in this test match Rory Burns averages 28 against spin. Zach Crawley with a much smaller sample size, 43. Ollie Pope, he's not going to be opening. I guess he shouldn't be on this list, but 43. And Dom Sibley, 25. Now, what's frustrating me here looking at this is my ideal opening two, and I'll, I'll come to my ideal seven in a minute, is still Burns and Sibley. And they both have the worst average against spin. So I don't know what England are going to do here. I think Crawley's sample size is big enough and he didn't do anything convincing in this test. Um, so I don't know, Zach. What, I mean, what do you think about this top two? And I think it's a very important second test for all of these players we mentioned. Obviously not Burns because he's not there, but I think Crawley and Sibley especially to show they're good against spin or at least competent in areas. Yeah, I think those stats, although, you know, I think they could be slightly misleading because if we think about, you know, all of Burns, Sibley and Crawley's England careers, they haven't. I mean, and this is this is obviously another point in itself. They haven't played in the subcontinent before, so they haven't faced a lot of spin. So your average versus spin, I know on, on one of the lists, Dan Lawrence's average versus spin in county cricket is on there, which is, you know, I think it's just a completely different ball game to playing against spin in the subcontinent. And you think about the spinners that Sibley would have faced in his time. You know, there was in, Sri Lanka, in, in South Africa... Not much spin in New Zealand. Again, they, they don't often even play a spinner at home. There was, you know, Yazid Shah was good. Austin Chase did a bit. Raheem Cornwall, you know, was a, <laughs> was a great guy. But I don't think he really, you know, they weren't they weren't challenging as much as the pace bowlers were. So I, I think those stats, you know, they tell us a story. And, and I think, you know, Sibley did struggle this game. He, yeah, he, I, I, I think it doesn't kind of work with his with the way he plays playing spin it doesn't seem to he really enjoys going leg side and he really he like he really likes leaving and he loves mm. i think he likes leaving on length quite a lot and he left one that you know went straight on and bowled him in the i think it was the first innings and you know it was he was playing for the spin and it was he was playing to leave the ball and it's something i don't know he, he needs to work on it and yeah crawley crawley got out softly twice charging which he, which everyone keeps saying he did really well against pakistan yeah he did really well against pakistan charging when he was on 150 it's very different <laughs> doing it in single point. figures in conditions you're not used to and he needs to not do that you know it was silly and he, i mean he knows it's silly in the second one that when he was out the second time it looked like he you know he wanted to play at the ball he really wanted to feel bat on ball and just wafted at one and burns Burns, Burns, Burns. I think he had a real he had a real difficult summer and he's got this strange technique that seems like everyone, you know, everyone always talks about he's gonna get found out and these these first two tests are in Chennai in India and that's famously Chennai spins. Hence why Chennai Super Kings always play millions of spinners and did really badly this year because they weren't playing in Chennai. But you know, we've spoken about the IPL extensively <laughs> on other podcasts. But yeah, so those first two tests, they're gonna spin. We don't know about the other stadium because it's, it's new. I don't think the game's ever been played there. But it's going to spin the first two tests and it's going to be a real big test. And Who, who would you have? It. Who would you have right now? I know, I've just I've just spoken for ages and I've not said any answers because well, I don't have the but answers. Surely but... what, what you've said there, 
uh, they haven't played against any spinners and their average is so low that's damning it's only going to get worse from here we're going to play against better spinners on spin friendly conditions and if they're averaging 25 against Raheem Cornwall and you know Mitch Santner what what hope have they got against uh, you know, Yadav uh, Ravi Chandan Ashwin Washington Sundar and uh, Embo Denia who was also in this test we'll come on strength in a bit but surely that's even more damning yeah, yeah, it is damning. I, but my, my, I think my point was that it, it's just a small sample size and it's difficult to, you know, when, when a spinner is just holding down one end and it's not spin from the start. But yeah, neither of them looked, neither of them looked great. And Burns, I, I think I backed Burns less than either of them, Paul. I mean, even though he, has, he hasn't had a chance in the subcontinent. <laughs> I think my top three is Crawley, Crawley and, and Burns. And then, <laughs> and then Best at three. Hold on. This has been the most chaotic. We've, we've done a lot of podcasts now. I think it's the most chaotic moment for Zach on Cow Corner. Just sort of going on about how their averages aren't good enough. Burns isn't even playing. And you and you were like, I'll drop him. No, I won't. I'll put him in. But I think it, it speaks to the issue at the top. And I think none of these guys are good at starting against spin. But let's look at Johnny Bairstow, who is at my number three to play in subcontinent. We'll come on to the fact he can't play pace and that this isn't a long-term thing. But he looked awesome in both innings. Just a 47 in the first where he could have kicked on. And then a really important 35 in the second um, to guide us, uh, England, to victory. So Bairstow's in there, right? We're happy with him. He's a great player of spin and a senior player who can handle the little wobbles that England had when the opening two go, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's only a few nights away from Matt Pryor's record. So, you know, he's... <laughs> He's very well proven. He's very happy with his not out in the second innings then. That that was a tactical not out from Johnny there. Well done. I mean, it's obviously been a a tiny bit frantic, this conversation, but I think it's actually really good because we're, all of us collectively are like, you know, analysing the minute details. But at the same time, we, no, I don't think any of the three of us really have that, that magic answer. I think I kind of thought, in England, we kind of overcome the the opener difficulty, obviously with Strauss and Cook moving on historically. And I thought Sibley and Burns looked really nice together. I mean, if no one can play spin, we're going to start every innings with a deficit of two wickets for 20 runs. And you're both really right to point out that it only gets harder from here on. Uh, in India, yeah, I think it's something for us before we do this preview pod for India to, to keep thinking about because it's, and the second test will go a long way to of this series, a long way to answering these questions. Um, Zach, what do you reckon? Could Bairstow open? Everyone seems to want to... Could Bairstow open? So this is something. Could Bairstow open with Crawley? Then Root... I mean, I know Root hates going at three, but could, could, could Root go to three? Then there's space for Dan Lawrence at four. Stokes, five. Pope six, seven. No, no, no. no. We'd we'd solve this problem, as Glenn said. We'd solved it over the summer. And Sibley and Burns looked okay. They looked like they we had something there, right? Let's not let's not go insane now, okay? We're just playing a bit of cri- which one by seven wickets. Which <laughs> by seven wickets? Fine. Burn Gosh. it down. <laughs> God, this, this top three is really riling me up. I would. I I like Johnny Bairstow opening. I hadn't thought of that. I would. I would have him open with Sibley and have Crawley at three. Wouldn't wouldn't his issues against pace possibly negate the benefit of him playing spin if we think yeah. that probably Boomer is going to open with a new oh, ball and be pretty lethal? That's a great point. That is a really yeah. good point, especially if you get a sort of it seems nice and early in India sometimes, doesn't it? It'll have no chance there. Besto cannot open. Great point, Glenn. 
forget yeah, it. Let's, let's let's put a pin <laughs> in that now and, and set the, the notice board on fire. Well done, Glenn. You stopped <laughs> us from going too mad then. This has been a bit of a rambling uh, conversation about the top three. And you just went, guys, calm down. It's getting late in the UK. I think we're just we're just getting a bit tired here. Um, so yeah, lots of questions. I think that second test is going to be vitally important, isn't it? Hopefully one of them, if not both, can get a knock under their belt. So this chatter goes away from, you know, for, for us and the media and, and themselves, I'm sure, to say, no, I can do it. I can play this. And yeah, Johnny Bairstow looked great. And I, I was happy to see him do good, despite being a bit frustrated with him in, in the preview pod and on his little not out chat with Matt Pryor. So, you know, again, I'll come back to England one by seven wickets. Very convincing victory in Sri Lanka on a, on what was a dust bowl by by day five or at least in day four. Um a few Englandisms throughout, you know, the 14 for three, the comical run out of Joe Root, who sort of back got stuck in the ground and went flying, the little collapse in the um, their first innings, and the spinners not looking great in Sri Lanka's second innings. There were a few bits to work on still. This wasn't perfect by any means. Um, but let's come on to Sri Lanka, who, uh, you know, I thought fought really, really well after that embarrassing day one. I thought they were going to do it again. And then you... You see them fight back. They got, they had a glimmer when England collapsed at 50 for five in their first innings. And then a really impressive innings, Lahiri Tiramani with a great hundreds um, for a guy who averaged, I think, 18 or something really quite sad for the amount of games he played to get a ton, you know, in the absence of Karuna Ratna. And let's not let's let's focus on that as well. They lost their captain on the morning of a test and then collapsed for 135 and then England were 100 for two. And they still made this a game. So, you know, a word for Sri Lanka on you know, where they where their positives were in this game, despite the chaos of that first innings. Yeah, I mean, I think their positives lie, like you said, in looking at how they did in the second innings, how they riled in, how they like rattled England in England's second innings as well, how they took those last few wickets. I think, yeah, like you say, Tiramani might not have even been playing had Karuna Ratna been fit. It would have either been him or Mendes, who obviously got you know four ducks in a row. But then did get some runs in the in the fifth in the sorry in, in the second innings not the fifth innings <laughs> not in his fifth innings yeah in his fifth innings after getting four ducks in a row yeah they 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 showed some character and they showed some fight and I think it does show that they could you know they could beat England in the second test and it's going to be a harder fought occasion who knows what the pitch is going to be like it could be even more of a dust bowl and then you know. Their bowlers were, well, their bowlers didn't look great in the first innings, apart from Imboldenia, who is, you know, he's only 23. I can see him playing, you know, being really good and playing 100 test matches for Sri Lanka and, you know, being their kind of key man for the next 10 years, especially at home. But the, he didn't he didn't have the support. And even though the, the first innings scorecard looks, I think just because of that many collapse from England, it makes it look like Dilran Pereira bowled well. And he, he really <laughs> didn't. He really didn't at all. He looked his his economy is better than anyone else's and his he took more wickets, but he really wasn't holding up an end well. It was in Bulbanir or nothing, really. Hasaranga, he was a bit expensive. I think it was a bit down to him being targeted, him not having his length quite right, like we saw from the England bowlers, but you kind of expect it a little bit more from a wrist spinner. And also he's in there just as much for his batting as his bowling. But yeah, if he gets a bit more help in Baldania, then we we could have struggled. We did struggle in the second innings and he got both Crawley and Sibley in both innings. And obviously we've just spoken about how bad they are against spin. So maybe not saying much, but yeah, <laughs> there's, there's definitely hope. And there's a lot, there's a few young players in there. And 
they should have yeah it's just a batting they like they should have hit you know two three hundred first up they had a bit of a partnership going matthews and I mean, it was a bit of a partnership there wasn't many partnerships in this matthews and chandamar both looked really assured and they both got out within consecutive overs and it was really it just looked really silly from there because they kind of they were building something i think if they even maybe not a 50 partnership but there was there was a bit of a partnership going there and it looked like okay they've had a little wobble but they're going to be all right. They're going to get a good score. These two experienced guys, Matthews is always really good against England. And he did, you know, in the second innings hit quite a few runs, but yeah, just, just really shocking from them. Yeah. It was all about that first innings, wasn't it? And another 50 even might've had them, you know, winning. There was a famous game against India where they were only trying to get 123 and, and didn't get halfway to that. And you only asked them to get 175 then or 185 or 200. And they were, um, that partnership you alluded to, um, 81 for three, which looked all right on that pitch, to be fair. A nice partnership going. Hasaranga, for me, is not a test match bowler. He looked terrible. Um, a great limited over his bowler, I'm sure. He doesn't have the test match length or guile or longevity. His action collapsed quite a lot at the crease and couldn't string much together. So I, I didn't like him that much. And then on the total flip side of that, I loved Embel Denia, um, you know, sort of taking over from Rangana Haraf, who was, you know, the linchpin of a, a Sri Lankan side for, as you said, Zach, probably 10 years. And I think Embodenia can do that. Um, he was awesome. I just thought he he had control. He had, you know, variation, especially with the new ball. He would get one that would spin and then all of a sudden one that didn't, which I think led to Sibley's downfall. And he, he just left one that didn't turn, that not should have, but did a ball before. Um, so I like him a lot. And yeah, they, they could have easily won this test, despite how tragic it was for two days they could have won this test with 50 more runs i agree um it's something that came to my mind if it was just even a three-figure target that england were chasing mentally it would have been harder for them um yeah you've pointed out the bowlers um embol diana bowled a remarkable 45 overs in that um first england innings and then it was basically him and Pereira, hasaranga and he bowled one over in that second england innings so, I mean, he was brilliant. I didn't know how young he was until he just mentioned it. He felt like a, a much more experienced player. He bowled beautifully in very, very long spells. Again, I genuinely think if the batsman hadn't misfired so badly that first innings that they could have won this. And it really feels like it's a shame that it's not a three-test um, three series because if Sri Lanka come in and quite possibly uh, potentially even favour them with this second one just because... They're going to bounce back. They look like a different team in the last two days of the test. They genuinely look like a whole new team, uh, batted better, uh, bowled, did bowl better, I'd say, actually, in that tight final innings for England. And they have got exciting batsmen. I mean, Thiramani came through. You pointed out his very rough average, batted beautifully. Pereira is the most aggressive opening batsman in um, in world cricket for, for a, a big nation opening. Is it good in the long term? Probably not. But can he do damage? Yes. I mean, his shot, I think it was the reverse sweep to root in the first innings was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I was actually shouting at the screen and it was midnight or something. It was, it was disgraceful. Um, but he offers something different. And you're really right to point out in both innings, Matthews and Chandamol had a really good partnership, especially in that first one. If they had just held that together and not been naive, Matthews has experienced, he got a very strong 71 in that second inning. So there is good things to take out of this. Dick Weller batting quite low. I think he's about six or seven, maybe. He he has he can bat as well aggressively. And I will point out that the tail wagged much more. In the first Shalanker innings, it was zero 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 for the bottom three. In the second innings, it was 12-24, then zero, not out. So 
they batted much better. And you know, if that if those if that tail can just add an extra thirty runs in the second test, and if England are batting uh, last, if they bat in the fourth innings again, I can see the door being very much open for Sri Lanka to draw this series. They just need they need to get in the nets and get their head down, and they need to sort out their embarrassing shot selection, and then they're good. And I think there's a lot of credit to Sri Lanka because, like I said, lost their captain on the first day, have an embarrassing yeah. two days of cricket to actually bring that back. Um, and it shows they have got the experience there. And, you know, their head's roughly screwed on after a little mess. Can we talk about Mickey Arthur for a little bit? He's a weird <laughs> guy. I don't think I like him and he needs to buy some longer shorts. And I think it was a South <laughs> African thing because Jack Callis on the England balcony, he was he nearly had one slip out. You know, it's, it's the Alan Partridge thing, you know, if if the the lining inside perishes we, we might see something pretty watershed that we shouldn't um i don't like mickey arthur i know the commentators do because he, he wears his heart on his sleeve etc but he just winds me up um zach can you can you recall um i remember him going absolutely mad for a review that wasn't given and it wasn't out zach could you just outline that again that was bizarre yeah, so Root hit the ball. He, he went down for a sweep, as he did, you know, as we spoke about many, many times. He hit the ball. I was about to, you know, do it visually for you guys, but this is an audio <laughs> medium, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, he, he went to sweep the ball, and he kind of he hit it into the ground, and then it kind of popped up, hit his glove, and then popped up to short leg. And it was reviewed, but then it, the ball was grounded, and there was some clarification on the rules. Bumble did it. Obviously, Bumble was an umpire, so did explained it very well. But obviously, if the ball is grounded, and I actually didn't know this, Dan, you clarified this for me live at the time. The ball is grounded at all. It doesn't matter what happens after that. The ball has hit the ground, so it's not. It can't be out. And Mickey Arthur was fuming. Was was running round to the third umpire's studio. Absolutely seizing, and Bashing it was on the window, brilliant. foaming at the Bashing mouth. The yeah, absolutely. The fist was waving around. <laughs> he couldn't believe that that wasn't out. And obviously, I think a lot of the frustration was it was it was Joe Root as the big wicket, and he was already on a, a hell of a lot of runs. But yeah, I mean, I know it was. I mean, watching them was quite funny. Watching him yeah. was quite funny, especially during the first innings because he just couldn't believe some of the shots and. Yeah, he got a little bit less funny to watch as Sri Lanka got better. So that was kind <laughs> yes. of, uh, you know, we had to work with that, that it, was, it wasn't it was as fun. They weren't, they weren't going to him as much because, you know, he didn't have as much to, you know, be angry about. But maybe, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it bodes well for the second test because either Sri Lanka play well and we get a competitive test or we get some more great Mickey Arthur camp. That's such a good point that I think he wound me up more as Shranka did better. And as as him and his assistant who was sat next to him put their finger up to symbolise out when Root got run out, I was I was furious. I was like, shut up, you. And yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. And he's like the sort of antithesis of um, Trevor Bayliss, who would sit under his floppy as far back in the dressing room as he could. Mickey Arthur's out there showing everything quite literally, as well as on his face as well. So that was good fun. Um, and yeah, what turned out, I mean... We've got a pod on the the England, uh, the India Australia test, that fourth test. If you want to go listen to that, that kind of shrouded this game in in the in the world of cricket. But it, this was a good test match toward the end, after we thought it was going to be terrible, and I think we saw a lot of what Sri Lanka will offer, hopefully in that second test. Let's look forward for England selection issues. That well, not issues, but selection choices for for that second test. Do do any of us have an eleven we like? Are there any changes for me? I think I'm going to drop Mark Woods again. Just just look after him. I don't think he needs to play two tests in a row with India coming up. Give Ollie Stone a run out. I think he does a similar job. Um, 
pace, see if we, see what he could do. Let's see what he might offer us in India. And I think we might as well. I, I hate to, again, demean a, a nation by saying we're going to experiment here. But this is a time in which we can drop wood. He took no wickets, but he was good. Got some overs under his belt. Give Stone a go. Otherwise, it would all be the same. And I, I look forward to seeing one of those top three batsmen um, make a knock, hopefully. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I like the Stones inclusion. My only question for, for you, Zach, maybe is, would you keep Broad or bring in Anderson? Where do you stand on that? Because I would keep Broad personally, I think, because he did so well. Um, but obviously the fitness and rotation is, is is the question. But he couldn't have done much better, in my opinion. So I would just stick with him. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, Glenn. I, I'd stick with Broad, but the general consensus seems to be amongst the media that Broad's out. Broad's out yeah. for Anderson just mm-hmm. because because of the way they are. It seems to be like it's, you know, assured. But I, I, although they do, you know, they do similar jobs, I don't think they do exactly the same job. I think, you know, Broad's, Broad's better outside of England than Anderson is, but Anderson's better in England. I think his, 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 his height, his cutters are better. He's more... I'll say more adaptable, but I think it just kind of works slightly better in these conditions. But I don't, I, I, I don't think both of them are going to play four tests in India. I don't think there's much of a chance of that. So maybe they want to rotate. Like you said, we're not disrespecting Sri Lanka, but this is a time we do we, oh, what's it called? The Moo Cup or something it's called? This Mo- is moose, a, moose, nearly. Moose it's, an, it's an animal. It's not the noise of an animal, just an animal. The, the Moose Cup, do we retain the Moose Cup even if we draw one all? I presume so, because the last time we played them, we won the series. So as long as we retain the Moose Cup, it's OK. But we obviously we want to win this. We want to win 2-0. But uh, yeah, sorry. I want to go home. I want to go home with the Moose Cup. You know, I just I say <laughs> we've got the Moose Cup. We hold the Moose Cup. Um, yeah, I think I think they'll they I won't be surprised if they bring Anderson in, but I wouldn't do it myself just because broad looks so good and then on on wokes and moeen I, I think you know moeen's now out of um isolation we saw a picture in the ground um wokes has been for a while as well what, what do we do with with either of those two do, do they come in i'd maybe even go moeen for current let's have three spinners and give moeen a run out again looking ahead to india i don't know what either of you think about about those two coming in I think the general consensus is that Moeen won't be, even though he's come out of isolation, won't be not available to play, but just because of the lack of fitness and the lack of game time, he won't be ready to play. So I think we probably won't go Moeen. I'd love to see us give a go to one of the young spinners, but that could go so terribly wrong. And yeah, I don't see where they fit into the team because unlike Moeen, they can't, you know, they, they, none of them have very good batting records. And yeah, does could Wokes come in for Curran? Do they do the same? We've we've compared them in this podcast, but and they're batting. Could they do a similar job? I think Curran did enough to keep his place. So I maybe I I I wouldn't change anything really. Well, I like the Wood for Wood for Stone debate there. Stone deserves a go. I think he's you know he's had a lot of injury problems and he 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 does a similar job. And if we can bed in another super fast bowler before we go down to Australia and everyone gets injured, then that's you know the more the merrier. Yeah, I agree. I think um, yeah, I think that the issue is that yeah, bringing in you know one of the the younger younger spinners. I mean. Yeah, that might show a little bit of disrespect to Sri Lanka in a, se- in a series that is 1-0. Um, and I want to see more of Bess and Leach. Um, I, I think it's interesting, the idea of bringing Moeen and playing three spinners. I like it, but I worry about Moeen's fitness. I mean, he's been he's been isolating and he's been like 
he hasn't been particularly um, in great nick before the isolation. So I, I would agree. I, I think Stone is a, is a good move. And yeah, see how the rest do and really, really hope that the Opens can get some runs. That's number one on the agenda for us, I think. Definitely. And I think after that, you know, chaotic. For a moment, we opened with Bairstow in India. That's how chaotic it got. <laughs> Let's just hope one of those Opens puts some runs together. And then it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Burns come back for the India test if he's just put straight back in we'll see there's a lot there's a lot to be had um, and a fascinating first test after what looked like might be a bit of a struggle uh, the next one starts at Friday for 30 GMT so nice and early for us in the UK again um, and England will look to either retain or win the Moose Cup which is one I think we'd all want wouldn't we and hopefully Mickey Arthur wears some trousers but I doubt it'll be cold enough for him to wear trousers in Gaul um, so boys thank you so much for joining me um, Zach you know look forward to getting up at 4.30 again on Friday or might you take a day off? Uh, it's, it's up in the air. I thought I was going to do it, but then you just mentioned how early it was and it's, it dawned on me Hurts, isn't that, it? that maybe I can't do it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a go. Maybe I'll wake up at six and we'll just have no tweeting for the first hour and a half. Yeah. But well, there'll be... That- Straight into the lunch break, just wake up and watch the lunch break? <laughs> or yeah. You'll get half an hour in. Yeah, and hopefully England will be 100 without loss at lunch. Sibley will have somehow battered out his skin. He'll be going at a runner ball and, you know, and pigs will be flying. But, yeah, I'll, <laughs> uh, we'll be up bright and early on Friday. Glenn, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, enjoy that second test as well. Thank you. It's always great to chat to you both. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've got the Australia-India fourth test review if you want to listen to that. And we'll be back with a review of this second test and then a great preview for England's tour of India. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.